brought to you by AFIA Sports Training, committed to developing the sporting potential of future players in the U.S., U.K., and across the world. Check them out at afiasportstrg.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up, talking rugby in Midtown Manhattan at our Fantasy Sports Network Studio 34 studio. And in the studio with me, as always, the resplendent Stephen Lewis. Stephen, welcome. Good afternoon. I missed you, pal. Missed you. Right back at you. And, Steve, we're going to talk uh, rugby on this side of the pond today. Uh, we're going to talk American rugby. I know you love when I say American. Not really. Okay. All right. So, Steve, we've got a lot of rumors floating around. we got Congress. We got an MLR uh, call, uh, but first off, uh, Perry Baker, rumored to be uh, interested or to have clubs interested in him, according to Midi Olympique, or the French publication, which is usually out in front of some things, and sometimes they're accurate, sometimes they're not. Uh, what do you think about that Perry Baker rumor? Perry Baker rumor, yep. Um, to the top 14, of course. It's, it's a rumor. You know, he's uh, perfectly entitled to shop his wares. He's a talented guy. Uh, if he got a good contract somewhere abroad, who could fault him? Would be a tremendous loss to the Eagle Sevens program, particularly in this uh, Olympic qualification year. Um, so, from our point of view, supporting Eagle Sevens, it would be tough to see him go. But from his point of view, if he gets a good contract, he should go. Do you think that the – and, you know, again, this is, this is all speculation, ladies and gentlemen. It's just based on that, that uh, couple of things out in the, inter, in the interwebs. But – you would think that with the Olympics looming, that they would allow him to play or at least have the opportunity to play with the Olympic team should he make it and have the top 14 contract, no? Well, that depends on who your agent is and who's uh, negotiating for you, right? So actually, Perry's got some good people advising him who we know. Um, so if I were him, uh, any contract would be whatever it is for a year with the, um, um, a provision allowing him to come back and play for Eagle Sevens Olympic year. The, the key thing, remember, is for the Olympic qualification is you have to finish in the top four. And we've never done that before. Um, so the last time, and I think this time, I think we're unlikely to do it this time, though I hope we do. Uh, so again, it may come down to just 14 minutes against Canada next summer. So That's interesting. So if yeah. Perry's available for that, he's available for the year leading up to the Olympics, then not the worst thing in the world. Obviously, I like seeing him in red, white, and blue. He's a major, major threat, terrific player. I'd rather he's playing for the U.S. All right. Uh, moving on, we've got uh, some MLR rumors and news. Uh, we have uh, franchises announced in Boston and Atlanta for 2020, right? Correct. And we don't have, curiously, any real announcements coming out of Washington out of the D.C. MLR squad, although I, uh, we might get that while we're, we're rolling tape. So, uh, so you've got New York coming in. You've got Ontario being a done deal. That takes us to nine. Uh, you had Atlanta and the New England Free Jacks, whatever Free Jacks are, um, confirmed for 2020. So you go from seven to nine this year to definitely 11 in 2020. And as you say, D.C., not sure what's happened there. Um, Congress and the Board of Directors, USA Rugby Governance. Stephen Lewis, you are front and center. You are in the middle of the firestorm as always. Bring the American people up to speed on what's going on. Sure. So um, this weekend in Denver, Friday evening and Saturday, is um, the second Congress meeting of the year. So there are two Congress meetings per year. Um, governance has been an issue for us over the last 18 months. You know, we, uh, 
successfully got rid of a failed board. Um, we have currently six board members out of a nine total who are supposed to be there, nine total. So this weekend, the primary, uh, one of the primary issues is uh, seating another three board members so that we have a full complement. So that's probably issue number one. Uh, where that stands is right now the nominating committee has nominated three candidates. The board have to approve them, and then it would come to Congress for ratification this Saturday. Yay or nay? Okay, so I have a question. At the six of nine, is Paul Santinelli a permanent member now? Is he still at large or interim? Yeah, he's, he's still transitional. Um, my understanding has not been clarified, but my understanding is that he would be voted this weekend uh, for that to be made permanent. So, okay, I know, the f- I know the five. I can name Jeremiah Johnson, Barbara O'Brien, of course, uh, Todd Clever, um, Phaedra Knight. The fifth is considered Sentinelli? Yes. So he could conceivably not be. Yeah, I, th- I think it's more likely he's been very energetic. And who's uh, the sixth? The sixth would be Gus Pichot. Oh, okay. So he's the World Rugby appointed uh, vice chair of World Rugby. Vice chair of World Rugby and uh, now a USA Rugby board member. So um, this was a little bit of a story a couple of weeks back. He, w- as a condition of the loan guarantee where World Rugby has bailed USA Rugby out, um, once again due to the failings of the previous board and the World Cup, the money we lost at the World Cup, the money we lost South Africa, Wales. So World Rugby bailed... Rugby Channel. Yeah, Rugby Channel, RIM, all of the above. Um, so moving forward, their billing is out, and as part of that loan is World Rugby uh, had a seat on the board, and that person was Gus Pichot. So yes, he is the sixth member of the, the board currently. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk more Congress with St- Congress and Board of Directors with Steve Lewis right after this. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig and Whistle, on West 36th Street. And we are back. Matt McCarthy and Steve Lewis at the Fantasy Sports Network Studio 34 for Rugby Wrap-Up, talking rugby in New York City. Steve, uh, we were talking about Augustin Pichot as the new board member where we left off. Uh, there were some rumblings in the... Uh, on the internet and in the uh, web about uh, him possibly having dirty hands or uh, not being 100% clean in certain instances, all you know, speculative. If you, it depends on who you talk to. But what's your take on his background, his inclusion? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a complicated one. Um, so there was the, the ratification vote for him by Congress was 37-4, three against, and six abstentions. Um, which was a classic case of Congress um, naivety and ignorance uh, when he made that decision. I actually abstained, and I'm quite happy to discuss why I abstained. So on the, um, on the plus side, um, Pichot is number two man in world rugby, important guy, uh, genuine rugby guy. I mean, he's done a lot of good things, I think, like uh, I, I really believe in expanding the, extending the five-year residency. Um, he, he is, uh, I think that's a good thing. I think he's got some constructive views about world rugby and stuff that they're trying to change in terms of international club rugby. I think he's a tier two guy. I mean, he doesn't like that phrase. He says, call it emergent countries, but um, he's not from the traditional powerhouses. So he, he's there in the corridors of power, 
but he is from Argentina, obviously. So he's from a what was previously a tier two nation. He's also from our hemisphere, and he's pushing South American rugby to the same extent he's pushing rugby in the Americas. So I, I think there's a lot of potential positives from him being on the board. Flip it. Um, there's a lot of rumors about him, you know. Um, coming out of Australia with Twiggy. Coming out of Australia and, and, and other places. Um, he is He's not doing this for philanthropy, right? Um, he's a businessman. Like us. Like us. He's not doing it for nothing. He's not that stupid. But... Um, yeah, I mean, he's got his own business connections, and he's perfectly entitled to pursue those. I, I'm not saying there's anything necessarily underhanded. What I do think is, and what concerned me and why I abstained, uh, even though I think he's probably a net benefit, is that his first instincts aren't what's good for American rugby. So he's sitting on our board, and Gus P. Show has got to think about world rugby. He's got to think about Argentinian rugby, and he's got to think about Gus P. Show, and he's got to think about American rugby. Where, is, where does American rugby come? But, you know, I've got, that begs the question or the, the theory that what's good for world rugby or what's good for USA rugby is kind of good for world rugby. No? I mean, specifically because we owe them money. Yeah, yes, no, it's much more complicated than that. Um, I mean, you know, rising tide floats all boats, but you, you have got certain issues coming up where world rugby, USA rugby, and individual U.S rugby investors or people who put money into US game may be odds, Vegas sevens, right? Um, so at what stage, I mean, I trust the board. I trust the fact that they will ensure Gus recuses himself on any um, appropriate matters where world rugby is perhaps he or world rugby are perhaps conflicted. Um, but th there, are, there are matters he will have to recuse himself from. He has a lot of fingers and a lot of pies. I think he's a genuine rugby guy. Um, again, I think he's a net benefit, but if I was a board member or if I am a custodian of USA Rugby, I would keep a very, very close eye on him. So, why abstain in the vote? I don't think he should be on the USA Rugby board. Um, so then shouldn't you just vote no? No, because I think he might be a net benefit. So, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not opposed. World Rugby had to have a representative on the board. Whether it's him or someone else is a different story. Um, what is the point of a, what is the point of abstaining? I mean, you're there to vote. Is an, a, is an absentee or abstentia? Yeah. Is no, that a, a, a yes is an endorsement. A no is a absolutely not. An abstention is the middle. I have concerns. What if hypothetically everybody abstained? He wouldn't have been, uh, he wouldn't have been ratified. <laughs> okay. All right. Something that, you know. The abstention thing's going to come up again this weekend. All right, before we move on to bylaws, you know, the uh, restructuring or, and review or whatever, let's touch upon briefly. Uh, show is in the middle of trying to get something reorganized in world rugby, specifically around the world tests, and make it like a world league. What do you think about that? Yeah, so he's floated this proposal that um, the June and November test windows, which are a series now of friendlies, should become more meaningful. Uh, in the sense that top 12 countries would play against each other in uh, four groups of three, and it would, so it would be a three, four, five-game series. Now, why? Um, revenue is one, right? You have more meaningful games, you have more revenue, which would benefit the Tongas, Fijis, Samoas, who are at the bottom end of that. 
Um, so, so there's a, you know, his motivation is, is what you've got to understand here is the, is the coming clash between international rugby, national governing bodies and national unions and club rugby. And his concern on, on, on its face is that these international games are becoming meaningless and um, valueless. So what he's trying to do is create a more um, attractive product which in turn will attract more revenue. Okay. So we'll make those games more meaningful in the off-world cup years. Who's going to say no? RFU might say no. They, you know, it's the goose that lays the golden egg. They get three home games in November at Twickenham. Scottish Rugby Union, three home games at Murrayfield. Those three gates pay a lot of bills. Yeah. Um, so would they be prepared to give up those home games every November and that guaranteed uh, uh, revenue source? So I think what you'll find is uh, also, you know, this player welfare, right? What do the players' unions say? Is it more games? Is it less games? Is it uh, more stressful games? It, it's an interesting um, concept. It should certainly be explored. And right now, World Rugby is in Sydney and they're exploring this, right? This is uh, the big conference right now. Um, I haven't really got my head around it yet, so I'm not sure where, where I would stand on it. But uh, I, I like meaningful games. Then again... Would, would you abstain? Yeah, probably. <laughs> that seems to be my, my preferred course of action these days. All right. Okay, good enough. Uh, we are running out of time on this segment, so I want to I move, move ahead. We've got bylaws, revisions, and reviews. USA Congress, of course. Yeah, back to the Congress thing. So, obviously, we're trying to fill the board, right? We're trying to have a strong board that can drive the game forward here, and um, we'll see you know, how these candidates pan out, right? We, we don't really know a lot about them. We, we'll find out this weekend. So hopefully that happens. The second big thing is, you know, clearly our governance has failed us in the last couple of years. Um, so there had been significant work done by certain members, uh, Ron Watson, uh, Mike Crafton, who's actually an alternate, Ron Watson of Texas. Michael, the same Michael Crafton that you butt heads with here in the early uh, goings of rugby wrap-up no, in this studio? No, no, he's a fine man. He's a fine man. Speaks with <laughs> conviction. Um, Paul Santinelli's been very busy as well, the new board members. So they, they have um, put together a sort of working document, a draft document to look at some revising some bylaws. The critical one is the nominating committee. Yeah. Right, so here we go again. We're, we're seating a board with the same failed process that we used before that gave us the failed board before. That's my biggest frustration this weekend. There's no way around it. We can't change that process until you change the bylaws. Right. You can't change the bylaws without a process. Ross Young on on uh, on with us, which which uh, just went up, uh, mentioned that you can't change that nominating process until the bylaws are changed. And Barbara O'Brien, the sitting chair or the interim chair, took a lot of heat. I thought unnecessarily from the likes of you uh, and the likes of Pat Cla Pat Clifton or the likes of Pat Clifton in terms of what she said on camera. She was wrong about the nominating process, but. I didn't see her as contradictory or – we, we do discuss this, but she got it wrong. Um, but she did say that she wasn't qualified to be the chair, and, you know, we could argue both sides of this going forward. But it, it is a – either way, it's got to be a simplified process, and it's backwards. It's got to be an improved process, yeah. right? It's failed us before. You know, the jury's out this weekend. What's it going to provide this weekend? It, it, is it going to succeed or not? There have been some tinkering to, the, uh, to some of the assessment processes. But um, it's, just, it's similar people. Marnie Vance, still the chair. Um, there's certain 
you know, other people are on the, the committee. So, so we've got to get that right. Um, unfortunately, we're going to have to wait till this weekend to change it, so it won't help us this go-round. But uh, Congress itself, 46 people. Is that realistic? Is that effective? Are these people representative? Are these people engaged? Do they do their job? Yeah, too uh, many, too uh, many people to, to cover it, a lot of this in stuff. In my opinion, and, yeah. in my opinion, but um, I'll tell you more Saturday night, right? All right, fair enough. And uh, we've got a new CFO, uh, Eric Gleason. Yeah, no related to Jack, not related to Jackie. Apparently not. Right? Apparently not. Met him briefly uh, yesterday. Um, yeah, he's he's from USA Soccer. He's definitely got the resume and the and the chops and the background. Um, interesting job choice for him walking into yeah. what is a well, basically anyone. <laughs> or anyone, yeah. I mean, we should talk. taking over the finances of USA Rugby at this particular juncture is challenging. So wish him all the best, and uh, we'll get to know him a little bit better this weekend as well. He's making a presentation on RIM. All right, fair enough. And, and uh, I just got to touch base one last topic um, before we end. The recommendations from SRI, how, what flew, what stuck, what was, because we spent like 70 grand on that, on that um, consultation, right? And yeah, so um, I've got an opinion on that, so I'm going to give you an opinion on that. Uh, so SRI are a pretty uh, well-respected company. So they did a fairly thorough review. Um, that review did not come down to Congress in its entirety, uh, by which I mean it was somewhat diluted, somewhat watered down. So their recommendations came through the board. The board took a look at that not cherry-picked, but I mean, there were some things they agreed with and some things they disagreed with, which is, their, uh, which is their right. And then that came down to Congress. So that's the basis of some of the bylaw revisions and bylaw discussions that are going to happen. But it was certainly not a whole-scale um, whole adaptation of what SRI recommended. Did you say so, whole-scale? I think you said whole-scale. I meant, meant whole-scale. <laughs> <laughs> Every so often, right? Blind squirrel. I'm you, just, it's quite, yeah, I'm just, I'm so anyway, so, so the point is whole-scale. Okay, it, it wasn't adopted wholesale. So we'll see. And that, that is the basis of the bylaw discussions this weekend. And I know that you're probably not privy to the, the exact conversations about these, these kinds of numbers, but any updates on the negotiating down of the debt from Rugby World Cup 7s or, and or Wales, South Africa? I mean, those, those are still moving parts, right? They're, they're moving parts. I, th I think the, we're going to receive a report at Congress about the World Cup. I think everyone knows roughly what the range is and what the rugby, the uh, world rugby loan is. Uh, it's a line of credit as per Ross Young on camera. Yeah. It's not technically a loan. Yeah, fair enough. Semantics. Uh, we're still in Hawk. We still have a world rugby board member because of it. So, yeah. um, no, but uh, it would be interesting to see what percentage is a juicy, juicy yeah. bit coming. What percentage of that is, um, Expenses related to world rugby members at the World Cup. Uh -oh. I'll leave it there. What are we saying? We, are we saying that there's like $700,000 on the books from world rugby uh, bigwigs and executives traveling over to the World Cup 7s, and that's on our dime? No idea. Can't comment on the exact uh -huh. figure, but uh, it's right. been flagged. All right, it's been flagged, and we're going to leave you with that cliffhanger, ladies and gentlemen. So on that note... Mr. Steve Lewis, as always, thank you for coming in. I'm Matt McCarthy for Rugby Wrap-Up in Midtown Manhattan talking rugby, rugby, rugby at the Fantasy Sports Network Studio 34 in New York City. Sign up.